Hello and welcome to this jam-packed episode of the IABC International Podcast. My name's Dan Gold, and on episode 214, we are checking in with Doug Honer, who recently wrote an article which features on the IABC website. One of the biggest things I think in video is doing some planning before you launch the video. Okay, where is our audience? Is it on Instagram? If you have an audience there, great. Check that box off. Where else is your audience? And ahead of her keynote session at the IABC World Conference, Carmen Simon explains why we should focus on the 10% of information that our audiences remember, rather than worrying about the 90% that they forget. So my interest in this field has been not necessarily to help people remember more of the content that they see and to help organizations influence what others remember, but rather to control the 10% that people tend to take away and maintain long-term. But first, the annual IABC World Conference is the largest and most inspiring global event in the field of business communication. If you want to sharpen your skills, gain new insights and make valuable connections with communication professionals around the world, this is the place to be. Invest in your future. Get savings right now. Yes, professional development is an investment in your future and one that can help raise your profile in your company and make you better at what you do. But why carry the burden of extra cost to attend? If you register before the 6th of March, you'll save more than $200 US on registration fees. And in celebration of the IABC's 50th anniversary, you can get an extra $50 US off of a full or standard registration in February with the code CELEBRATE50. There's an article on the IABC website, which is called What's New in Video Marketing. Its author, Doug Hona, is with me today. Doug, thank you for joining me here on the IABC International Podcast. Thank you for having me. So, Doug, let's look back before you uh, produced the article itself. What's your background to give us some context? Uh, well, my background is I started as a copywriter, and that led to writing lots of scripts for videos back in the days in the 80s when there was really robust budgets for video. And that led to, oh, if I'm going to be writing it and involved with being on set and so on, it got me kind of excited about video. And I went back to school and learned how to actually do video production. And then I launched a company called Creative Works Productions, which was my video productions for about a decade. Video is, for all intents and purposes, a very different form of art from the written word. What was the appeal for you? The appeal to me was telling a story. I started out, as I said, as a writer because I thought like one could make a living being a playwright. And when I realized that isn't going to happen, what I enjoyed is the same visual medium, um, like a play, and being able to craft a story um, but through this medium called video rather than through set design and people. So to me, that was the appeal of it. It's another way to get to what I wanted to do, which was tell a story. So your article, I've read it. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it incredibly. Thank you. 
one of the things it addresses is videos for different audiences and videos for different placements, mm-hmm. uh, acknowledging the difference in a video for an Instagram audience and a longer form audience on another platform and another delivery method. From the course that you did all the way back then, mm-hmm. how have you found that video adoption has changed and what do communicators need to do when it comes to the application of those those differences between uh, making a video and just splurging it everywhere, thinking that it's going to work, and putting a video out there, being very conscious of each platform's audience and servicing their needs? Hmm. Well, a big, great question. Thanks, Dan. Uh, one of the biggest things I think in video is doing some planning before you launch the video. Okay, where is our audience? Is it on Instagram? If you have an audience there, great. Check that box off. Where else is your audience? Is it also, could it be used in a presentation? Are you going to any trade shows? Are there other ways to be able to uh, repurpose that video so that it can be used in a multi-purpose way? Because video, true video, not just your your uh, Velfi, is, is uh, expensive. So can I shoot it? and take out a 15-second clip that I can use on Insta. That's the kind of way we've got to start with the video. Instead of uh, starting from just the video, I think today you need to be thinking about platforms before you start thinking about the video. And we're in an interesting time where we've we've put a lot of resources in mm-hmm. as as people from a video video production background, we've put a lot of resources into making sure things are polished and obviously making sure the information is accurate, making sure that something is lit really well. And we're starting to see a trend where people are questioning if videos are too over-polished, too scripted, too rigid, Mm. it pulls away from that authenticity. But for my money, um, in my mind, if you are too messy and unfocused and wobbly, mm. you're still going to get people looking at it going, well, I, I, I can't pay attention to this. <laughs> uh, those are great questions. And, and um, this is why I mentioned the Velfi, which is a video plus a selfie. Um, it, this is what I'm seeing more and more of and clients that come to me and say, why should I shoot a whole video, Doug, when I can just, uh, just shoot it myself with my, with my iPhone. And then you look at the iPhone with the three different cameras and you think, goodness, those lenses are pretty good. Um, so why should I expend $10,000 when I could do it myself? Happens almost daily, uh, that I get those kinds of questions. And in reality, the answer is, okay, if you want to shoot it yourself, go ahead. I have no problem shooting someone shooting with an iPhone. However, let's learn about the basics of a camera setup. What visuals do you need? What's in the background behind you? What's the lighting look like? And I'm sure you can appreciate it. What audio do you have? Because there are so many extra little bits and bobs that make a difference between even a a Velfi looking and sounding more professional do you have it in a uh, a handheld gimbal do you have what do you have uh in in terms of where is the phone is it just being handheld forget it (laughs) it's you know so it's to me now i'm consulting more um than shooting like unless someone's got a big you know hefty budget we'll do a cell phone 
their cell phone, but I'll go in and sort of say, okay, these are the things and this is how you've got to set it up because it's that piece that they don't know. And that schooling from way back when in the 80s is coming into play because our millennials, for the most part, don't necessarily didn't learn that necessarily. They can just pick up a phone and do a story. But what's the quality of that story? Certainly if it's corporate, you know, you get that jiggly joggly and you get the all this audio being picked up. Yeah. I mean the big question's gotta be, is what you're making brand appropriate? Exactly. It's the beginning, middle, and end. And and we come from slightly different sides of the production world. Uh, mine was from uh, audio into video and then into the space that I'm working now. And you've gone from written into video. And so it's an interesting space to see people coming from different points of view, but, but actually landing on the same answers. You've got an interesting piece on your article about live video. Well, live video today, to me, there's a lot of people doing it on Insta. Uh, it started with Facebook. Um, and it can be really, really successful. In fact, the statistics are crazy in terms of people will listen to something three times uh, longer uh, when it's video streaming. However, um, live video requires even more planning. You know, is the, you know, we were shooting in a, in a private school a couple of weeks back, you know, where are the kids? <laughs> are they likely to come popping out into a hallway? Um, things like that you need to have prepared and you need to have your questions prepared and you need to know that generally what are the answers going to be so that you are not going to be saying things that are inappropriate uh, when you're streaming live. So I think it's a great forum, um, but it does need to, you need to do a lot of planning, um, more planning than I think people are doing today for live. And, and I totally agree with you totally agree with you on that because for me uh, with the media background uh, when you're dealing in any live situation the value of a, a recce first of all and then having a run through is invaluable you know the direction the general direction or the absolute direction it's going to go in and you're removing the variables while still delivering a very good uh, presentation of content or interaction if it's a Q&A or a, or a scrum of some kind. What's really interesting to me, and I, I look at the same stats as you, is that the live numbers are still really good, really stable. But what we're seeing is the acceleration in people getting notifications that this is live now, but it's not necessarily fitting in with their schedule. And then they're watching it on replay or watching it later, which for me, where it's become really incredibly interesting is previously we would have maybe planned a video to go out, a Q&A or a whatever, or an announcement. But now you're able to produce something that goes out live but then, because it's also on demand, it hasn't lost the value of that first watch. And I think there's a great space for uh, video communicators, content marketers, and publishers to really leverage the fact that, you know, it's not a one-hit thing. You can watch it later. You can time shift. Like, we've all got PVRs. We've all got streaming services. I think that there's absolute value in that. What do you think? I absolutely agree. In fact, I think that's a growing, it's going to be a growing community of uh, when I want to watch anything. It, this is the me 
generation of I want to watch my, you know, this series when I, The Bachelor, when I want to watch it, uh, not necessarily on Tuesday nights or Monday nights, whatever it is, so not watch The Bachelor. Um, but that kind of thing with I'm going to want, listen to podcasts, same idea. I want to listen to, I can listen to the live version or I could actually download it and listen to it later and stream it in my car on my way home. This to me is our new generation of how many people are listening in the car or watching on their phone um, at the time that's convenient to them. It's all about that personalization, right? Doug, this is not only a great conversation, and thank you for indulging me, but a fascinating article. You can find this article on the IABC website. I will provide a link to it in the description of this episode. The title of it is What's New in Video Marketing? Doug Hona, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. The IABC World Conference is stepping it up this year when it comes to the sessions, whether they be keynotes or breakout. Learn from industry leaders and experts from within our own association. Now it's time for our feature interview. You're about to hear an edited version of my conversation with Carmen Simon. You can watch the full video version of the interview, which includes an on-screen presentation, by clicking on the link in the description of this episode. I am very honoured to welcome to this episode Carmen Simon, PhD, who is presenting one of our keynotes at the World Conference in Chicago in June. Uh, Carmen, thank you so much for joining me here on the IABC International Podcast. It's a pleasure to be part of the program and uh, it's exciting to speak about communication in general from the angle of how the brain works as a neuroscientist because everybody in your audience has a brain and uh, it's exciting to understand how it works. So Carmen, let's start from the very beginning. From the point of view of people who don't know uh, about your background, maybe they haven't been on to the IABC website as yet to look up about your keynote. Uh, give me the high level. Who is Carmen? I am a cognitive neuroscientist, which means that um, I have a very uh, healthy addition towards uh, studying people's brains. And uh, my specialty is studying memory. I am um, a great believer that uh, memory is critical in business because your audiences will make decisions in your favor based on what they remember, not on what they forget. So from this angle, memory physically, not even metaphorically moves the world. So it's important to apply things that I learned from my profession, from neuroscience and from memory science to business so that you can find ways to become memorable and convince people to make decisions in your favor. So let's go back even further. What was it about this specialism, this area of science that interested you as a person? I've become interested in this because I have been very humbled to know how much people forget when they're exposed to business content. We're recognizing that after 48 hours, most of your audiences are going to forget 90%, sometimes even more of what you share. And not only do people forget a lot, but the little they remember is at random. So my interest in this field has been not necessarily to help people remember more of the content that they see and to help organizations influence what others remember, 
but rather to control the 10% that people tend to take away and maintain long-term. So I'm not so critical about the 90% that people forget. I'm more interested in helping others have a good grasp and be very intentional between with the 10% that others may take away. So I don't want you to give away all of the pieces of your session that you're going to be delivering, but is there something that people can fix onto to go, oh, that's something that I could apply? For sure. Let's look at a few guidelines that uh, you could apply no matter what. So even from our interview here and our brief time together, I'm hoping that you'll take away this notion of control your 10% because otherwise your audiences are not going to forget a lot, but the little they will remember will be at chance. And in order to control something, you have to clarify what that is. Given an amount of information that these days is highly abundant, can you at least have the clarity of one main point that you would like audiences to remember? Quite often when people work with me, I'll ask the question, do you want to be memorable? And sure, at some point, the answer is yes. But then I ask, do you know what you want them, you want to be memorable for? Do you know what an audience should take away from the communication types that you're creating? Whether people are creating formal presentations or videos or podcasts, very much like this. This is a, a content media type, and we hope to be in charge of what others uh, take away. The point is, given the amount of information you're sharing, do you know what people should remember long term? And once you find something that you want people to take away, make sure that you don't muddle the mental model that you're helping people create in their minds. And uh, there's one other criteria for your 10%, which you will enjoy learning. Once you have created it, can you place it in a physical context? Context is not necessarily what people remember, but how people remember. So that is one point that I will uh, I will co cover, clarify your 10% with some criteria that uh, that is linked to that. Something that is very common with the uh, communication industry, the, with professional communicators, is this balance of uh, use of imagery. How much is there uh, behind using supporting images or, or memorable images? Is there such a thing as a memorable image? <laughs> I really like that question because sometimes people will say, well, what's more memorable, a picture or some text? And uh, the good news for all of us, especially if we don't necessarily have a, a background in graphic design, is that you can make even text memorable as long as that text helps the brain build mental pictures. You can make any media type memorable as long as first you have the clarity of what you want others to take away. And also, as long as it gives the brain a reward, do you see, as I'm mentioning, I'm showing here on my screen, the difference between two titles that I had for a session that I was delivering just recently. The first one at the top simply mentions a topic. It's a storytelling science framework, blah, blah, blah. The second one gives the brain a reward, how to create memorable stories. Notice how neither one of this is associated with a picture, but you may still take it away or focus on it a, li a, li a little bit longer and focus can lead to memory because the reward is a lot stronger. See, even in here, the picture doesn't even help with anything. None, neither does the title. Uh, this was for a, an investor deck we were uh, doing a, a while back. But when we turn that into something that now has a reward for the brain, and of course the reward can come from the words that you see here and the combination with the picture as well. But see, this slide would have been just equally as strong without the picture as long as the words are rewarding in themselves. 
So as we're turning or, or connecting this point to the previous one that where we mentioned, control your 10% and clarify it. Make sure that once you clarify it, you associate it with the reward. And from then on, even with words, you can become memorable. Carmen, I have so many questions. <laughs> However, I'm going to save them for when you're physically in the room at World Conference in Chicago. I always like to ask this question for those who maybe don't understand the application of neuroscience. For someone coming to World Conference who's got their tickets, who's thinking about the various sessions they're going to attend, tell me the reason why they should attend this keynote. They must attend this keynote because we have to develop as a society a neuroscientific humility for how fallible human memory really is. And the reason we have to have this humility as we create different content types for various audiences is because your audiences will only make decisions in your favor and will follow your cause if they remember you. Memory is critical to decision making. There is no decision that the brain ever makes or will ever make unless there is memory involved. And of course, then the question becomes, how do you create memories for other people's brains? How do you earn a spot in somebody else's mind long term, especially given how fallible and malleable sometimes memory is? And learning how to uh, get one of the most uh, expensive real estate spots these days, which is a spot in somebody else's mind, is instrumental to being successful in business. Carmen, I'm in. I'm there. So here's the thing. I will be encouraging our listeners and viewers of this very podcast to go to wc.iabc.com to book their tickets if they haven't already secured their place. But a number of people may already be intrigued and approaching Google to find out more about you, but I want them to go to the right place. Carmen, is there an official website where people can find out more information before they attend your session at World Conference? Yes, for sure. Yeah, they can go to www.memzy.com, M-E-M-Z-Y. And um, on there, they will be reminded about the importance of earning a spot in somebody else's mind in order to influence decisions. Carmen Simon, thank you so much for joining me here on the IABC International Podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode. Music is from Joachim Karud and Ixon. And this is an IABC production.